Welcome to episode 692 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 692 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. How are you going, mate? I'm very good, and you? I'm pretty good too, actually. Yeah, pretty good too. Just I'm mind. feeling hot and you're feeling cold. I am. My fingers are warming, uh, starting to warm up. The pins and needles are going and my toes are heating in the same direction. Was that just from home or did you bike beforehand? I just biked up here. It's cold. It's cold out there this morning. It's that cold. Well, it is. I'm toasty. I had a hot shower. Nice. Nothing like a hot shower after a long, cold bike ride, eh? As long as you don't have those pins and needles in your toes. When, you, when it's painful. painful. Yeah. But you've got to go through it. You do? And then you afterwards and you're all sleepy. Mm-hmm. You have a bit of a bit of low-carb, high-fat meal. Nothing worse than when you're doing a an epic camp or a big camp and you go into a new location, you're absolutely rooted, you want to get in the shower, you get to the, ho- the motel or the hotel Team and it's a shite it. shower. Oh, no pressure. There's no pressure. Just dribbling, dribbling down the out. front. Oh, I tell you. You want high pressure, you want to be blown out of the shower. John, I'm talking proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance, Lactic Buffer, and our patrons. And it's name for you, Jombo. Mr. Sausage, Ollie Jenner. We've got Robin Nightwing Glory. And Scott, the power of one, Bavel. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, this week's show, we've got news, we've got Hot Topic of the Week, we've got uh, Age Group of the Week, and we're going to look at some of the Kona finishes there as well. Coach's Corner. I always think a good Coach's Corner when the last comment is don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common theme in my coaching approach. <laughs> Don't be a dick. So what are you going to be doing, Coach's Corner? Uh, so I did a little research project for, to finish off my study just around low-carb, high-fat. I know we've done this subject to death, but it's really just presenting the findings that I got from just a small little study that I did. Okay, we've got our Pro of the Week, Wing of the Week, and questions and John, we are in the quiet time here. Sometimes we, our news can go to 45 minutes. It ain't mm. happening today, is it? It is not happening today. Because we're However, talking 70.3s. We are talking 70.3s. So we had, uh, I've got no idea how to pronounce it, but it was a 70.3 in China, in Zamien, I think it is. Uh, and Martin Van Riel took that out, uh, along with Ashley Gentle on the female side. So Ashley Gentle, uh, for those of you who don't know, she won the ITU World Series. Uh, finale last year in Gold Coast uh, so she's not the greatest swimmer on the ITU circuit but one of the fastest runners and a good strong biker and she is somebody that if she does decide to switch over to long course um, could be a bit of a threat in this sort of show. When you say not a good swimmer in ITU where would she sit in the Ironman world? Oh absolutely fine yeah okay. no problems So whatsoever. she'd be a front picker? Uh Probably not a front packer, but you know when you think about the likes of Anne Haug and people like that, she'd be better than them. Okay. Uh, so she'd she'd be absolutely fine. Okay. So yes, if Martin ran real, took it out by a couple of minutes from Josh Amberger and Tim Reed. So pretty pretty solid top three. Ashley Gentle beat out Leslie Smith by four minutes, and Frankie Sanwana from Great Britain in third. We had uh, a name from the past, really, Pete Jacobs, who won Ironman World Championship in 2012. Still plugging away, came in 10th. He did. So he won in two, uh, I just thought, oh, I saw Pete's name there. So it was good that he's still plugging away. As Bevan said, he won 2012. Because I think sometimes we, we talk about guys, because we've been in this, you know, doing this podcast since... 2006. 2006. Yep. So um, sometimes you guys, when we mention names, you might, might not have a clue. Like Pete Jacobs, as Bevan said, won in 2012, second in 2012. 20- 
11. So he did that sort of progression where you've got to be on the podium to, to sort of take out the win. He was ninth in 2010 uh, and eighth in 2009. Since the, since 2012. Oh, wait a second. Th- those results for Kona, not for... For Kona, okay, yeah. Sorry, yep, and know, elsewhere, for elsewhere he's done uh, done extremely well. Uh, but since he a, then, did he ever win road? He did win road, didn't he? Don't think he did. He had a couple of good results leading yeah. into Kona. Yeah, so he's he was a fantastic athlete, but had all sorts of health problems since winning Kona. So it was almost a. Well, a curse I would argue him. he's the biggest drop off winner. Yep, I think that'd be a, that'd be a fair. You know, argument. like he was top of the world, and then we just never saw him again. Really, yeah. eh? never never of that level. Yeah. Um, it's a shame. It really was, wasn't it? But he still wants to try to get back to Kona. So good luck to Pete. Uh, anyway, as I was sort of scrolling through, looking at Pete's uh, Pete's win there, I just saw, saw Sebastian Keenlay's win, and this is going to come up on next week's discussion of the week. He won in twenty fourteen, and back then he rode a four twenty, which these days in the calm conditions we've had uh, is not that fast. But when I compared that to the other people in the top ten, he put about sort of ten to fifteen minutes into the rest of the field. So that was back in the day when Keenlay was an Axe on the bike, not to say that he's not anymore, but I think the rest have probably more caught up and he's maybe slowed down a little bit, but his running has increased. So Keenlay, you know, he got that win in 2014, but and he's been there or thereabouts since, but geez, it's going to be hard for him to, to get another win when you've got to deal with Fredino. It really is, isn't it? Oh, but Keenlay's changed his game. Mm. Harry won that race in 2014, it's not Harry races now. No, no. You know, he, you know and it's... it's you got to give him credit, mm-hmm. you know. Like, like how many guys do that? Yeah, he's been around for. Uh, he's been uh, on the podium. I should count up how many times, but quite a lot. And and he's done it in different fashions. And we've seen at seventy point threes that you know he's running with some of the fastest guys in the sport. And uh, in Nice, you know, this is quite a few years down the track from when he was uh, winning Kona. You know, he outran Javier Gomez, uh, and that's saying something. Yeah, good times. Um, Jombo, let's look at Challenge Cape Town also happened over the weekend and uh, it's pretty good racing. Pablo Depina took that out uh, for a minute and a half from Stephen McKerna and Matt Trotman. Uh, so the South Africans, Matt Trotman and Kyle Buckingham were in third and fourth. Tim Don still plugging away in fifth place. He's nine minutes down. Emma Powell took it out in front of uh, um, Anna Wilk. Watkinson and Laura Sedell in third. So you've got here just some other news that Challenge seemed to be quite busy right now and he's just talking about that because we have the Challenge China for a few weeks ago. Um, but what's really interesting is you've got the the kind of coverage of all the races that they have. They have 28 halves and only five fulls. So they really are just doing halves really, aren't they? Predominantly, but I just... But only five fulls and you take a rotate, it's only four. Mm-hmm. And then if you take another one out, it's only three. Yeah, t- t- <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like when we think of it started as road. Mm. And it's, Wanaka was a full. And yeah, they were. They have more. expanded quite a lot from, which mm. Wanaka was what, about 2007, 2006? I would suspect though that this ratio of 5 to 28, I haven't done any prep on this or any yeah, statistical here's, here's crunching. I would imagine that ratio is probably somewhat similar to Ironman. Oh, yeah, definitely. You yeah. reckon? So, so Ironman, there's... Oh, I'm just going to pluck a number so out there's here. So five, about, about five 70.3s for every Ironman. Yeah, definitely. Easy. I'd say Ironman's even more 70.3s. So the, is there is either 30 or 40 Ironmans now? Okay, let's see what I'm going to find out. Top of my head. But there's 70.3s all over the place. I reckon that ratio is going to be pretty similar to Ironman. So as Bevan said, um, there was China, and I saw a little clip, clip on k226.com, um, a little preview clip of the China um, full distance race they had one or two weeks ago. It looks awesome, and they're trying to make that the 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 sort of the Asian version of Rote or Roth. Uh, it looked really cool. Um, we've got coming up uh, next in a 
couple of weeks time uh, Challenge Daytona and we had Cape Town so yeah busy busy time of the season for uh, for Challenge Racing Bevan, plucked that number out yet? No, I've just, I found out the, the other thing I'd, about Ironman, but the, the it's other not. thing I'd say is with Cape Town last weekend, it's good to see their water crisis is over, is over, and their their dams are full, and you can go to Cape Town now and you can flush your toilet, which is good. No, someone else do that homework for us. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to find it. Uh, they are saying, I just found something that's quite interesting. Over 96,000 athletes registering com- to compete in Ironman races every year representing 90 countries, regions, and territories. Nearly 300,000 athletes represent 200 countries, regions, and territories, and Ironman and 70.3. So in that case, I don't think you're right. Because of a hundred hundred thousand, we're going to have to pause here because we can't leave this to other people to to, to, to do this research. So, you, you, if you want to, well, ramble if a hundred thousand do Ironman, and three hundred thousand do the combined, are you counting? Are you? He's counting. Okay, why is doing that? Here's some fun facts about Ironman. So, Ironman. This is about Kona. Um, Kona. This is 2018 fun facts about Ironman. 2,500 registered competitors. 72% of them were male athletes, 28 female. 43 is the average age of the registers and 20 registered athletes. Uh, Japan had the oldest athlete, 85. The youngest was from the UK and he was 18. Six athletes will be celebrating their birthday on the day, which is quite low when you think 2,500 people were racing. Um, four countries, regions and territories are sending athletes to the Ironman Championships for the first time. There was Samoa, Isle of Man, Lithuania and Seychelles. Uh, 1,082 competitors representing 629 different tri-clubs from around the world race at the Ironman World Championships. Uh, 1,573 athletes race this year's Ironman Championships brought to you by Amazon. Uh, all world athletes there we go. And nine new Ironman and 70.3 races were established in 2018. More than 5,000 volunteers will help make the Ironman World Championships a success. How you going? He's still counting. <laughs> um, and what's another fun fact about Ironman? I'm just trying to kill time here as he's doing this. Um, date in the first decade. Um, tell you what, did, what I did do on the weekend, John, is I went and watched uh, the Rugby League and the Poms, we beat the Poms in the Rugby League. They smashed us in the cricket, unfortunately. He's still counting. Okay, I was, I was a little bit wrong. Okay, here we go. Where, where, where are we at? Uh, I think I counted around about 120-odd 70.3s. It might have been a little bit more yeah, than that. Yeah, it was yeah. a pretty quick count. And I think there was about between 40 and 45 Ironmans. Okay, so it's about so three, three to one. Yeah, so, so you're well off. It's a little bit off. <laughs> well off. So, but it's just interesting, you know, Challenge expanded probably around 2006, I think it was. When did you, when did you make money? That was the first year they had the Challenge Wanaka. Oh, that was uh, 2007, I think, around about then. Yeah. Mm. So they they went outside, wrote mm. in 2007. It's 12 years later. They've got now 33 events. Mm. Um, of those, they've only got five Ironman or five Iron Distance, if you're going to get it right. So it's interesting. They Obviously, the money's in the halves. Yep. yep. Or doing those, yeah, festival type. Yeah. Of, unless you can get three or 400 in a, in a full. Uh, what was one of those? Oh, that, that, there's a problem. Wanaka got down to about 100, 100 to 150, yeah. and, and it wasn't quite enough. Well, it, wasn't, it definitely wasn't enough. So it's a lot more. It's a lot more of a day. Mm. Yeah. Uh, coming up this weekend, John, we've got uh, four Ironmans coming up next month, but nothing this weekend. Yep. So we've got Cozumel in Arizona on the 24th weekend of the 24th of February, and then uh, Western Australia and Mal de Plata the following weekend. So finishing strong with four Ironmans, and then there's nothing, no Iron Distance races. Um, until sort of March time from, from Ironman branded ones there's a few non-branded races so certainly the quieter time of the year 
Okay, John. Also, John's ITU update. It seems like the Andrew Hewitt. This World was, Cup only, but still. Yep. So this was an interesting weekend of racing. So uh, it was final round of the World Cup racing, which was held in uh, the Dom- the Dominican Republic in Santo Domingo. And I was I knew that it was in the Caribbean somewhere, but I wasn't quite sure. It's actually on the other side of Haiti. Uh, Have you been to that part of the world? Sorry? Have you been to that? No, I have not. No, Puerto Rico's just off the right. Jamaica's off the left. Cuba's sort of uh, off uh, to the, the northwest. And then you've got down to the sort of uh, southeast. You've got all the, the rest of the sort of Caribbean islands. Uh, so it looked like a nice place to race. It was a shame they came into where they had the transition area. It was this beautiful beach with waves sort of crashing in. And they kind of rode into this harbour area. There was some, some nice boats in there. And then there was this massive big rust bucket that they biked past, which sort of probably wasn't the picture they were trying to paint. Uh, anyway, the, the females race was very interesting, as was the males. But what happened in the females race, again, the run was shortened. So this new rule that they've brought in with regards to the sort of the heat index. So the, uh, we saw it at the, oh, really? the Beijing test I event. I didn't know this. Yeah, the Beijing test event women's race got shortened to 5Ks. Uh, and so the same thing happened with this race here. The swim and the bike were as per the plan, but then the run got shortened to 5Ks. So are we, I was talking to a guy at the gym yesterday who's a, he's a, one of New Zealand's top sports photographers. Mm-hmm. He's done pretty much every event for the last 30 years. Real nice guy. And he was saying the Olympics are going to be stupidly hot. Oh, insane. Yeah. Yeah. So are we is it gonna be five Ks at the Olympics? I'd say there's a reasonably high chance, you know, they had it this year and and it was. They're gonna be having the race earlier in the morning. Um so I'd say there's a reasonable chance. Mm. Which which changes the complexion yeah, of the race it, a bit. It totally changes mm. it. Mm. But uh anyway, what happened here was they're running along. Um, Andrea's run herself into second place. Uh, the things sort of strung out quite a bit. And they're coming in towards the finish. And, you know, for us people that were watching, Taylor Nib from the USA, she had around about a 10 second lead. With how far to go? With coming into the finish. But oh. she had a penalty to serve. Oh, no. And you kind of pulled this U turn as you went into the, the finish area. And the penalty tent was off to the side. So if you weren't concentrating and you're in the zone, uh, you wouldn't even see. And so Taylor Nib had this penalty. How long did you She didn't serve it, uh, 15 seconds. Oh. Uh, so you can choose to serve it at different stages during the race. And what happens if you don't serve it? You get disqualified. Oh, and she didn't serve it? Oh, no, she served it. Oh. So Andrea's running along in second place. And she turns into the finishing chute. And then Doesn't she's, she's running down the finishing chute. And the finishing tape's there. And she's like, looks like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> and she crosses and takes the win because Taylor Nip had to serve out a 15 second penalty, which I believe was for um, not having all your items in your designated box coming out of the swim. So it's a, yeah, a lot of people get done by that. If you rush your transition, you you're, you're meant to put everything back in your box, are you? Yep. So when you come out of the swim, you got to put your goggles and your um, and so on in there. And when you come off the bike, uh, your helmet and stuff's got to be in there. What um what, what's the prize money for a World Cup, John? Don't know off the top of my head. It's it's decent, you know. Yep. It's uh, certainly not. I'm going to take a guess, probably seven and a half grand, something like that, okay. US. Yep. And uh, and so it's probably a, you know several thousand dollar mistake. Yeah. Jeez. So she came in second. So she, so Andrea Hewitt took it out, uh, which was great. And Taylor Nib was second. Claudia Rivas was in third place. And boys' side of things. Boys' side of things. Matt McElroy won his third World Cup race in a row, which is pretty impressive. And uh, we had a an American clean sweep in first, second, and third. So, uh, which is interesting because we went first, second, third USA, fourth, fifth, sixth Switzerland. Now McElroy is he going to step up? Oh, he's there or thereabouts. He's not going to probably win a medal, but he's uh, he's a he's a 
sort of good top tenner, sometimes top fiver. Looks like Super League's also having some other racing happening. It is. They've got a qualifying race. So in the Super League now, it's kind of sometimes hard to predict. So we have Malta that seems to be well established on the radar. Um, Jersey, they've had Singapore once. They had uh, Hamilton Island once. And then they've had the qualifying races to get into the main part of the series, so the championship series. And they had one in Poland and Poznan. And they also had one in Penticton in Canada. But I think that got... There was they had problems with the fires over there, so I think that didn't actually run um, one year. Yeah, and then did. they had another one in Bali, I think, this year. And this time they're going to Ecuador, so it's not going to be Super League as we see it on uh, online. It's just going to be one of their qualifying races. But they're going to some pretty non-traditional markets, which is interesting. I mean, obviously the money's there, so they're fi- you know they're not going to go there unless they've got the financial backing. But yeah, you think Ecuador, Bali, um, Poland. Um, not your traditional Which triathlon Poland, markets. Now you've worked in Poland. Is Poland cheap? Poland is, yeah, pretty cheap. Because yeah. I wonder if that's partly, like, you just think Bali is so cheap to mm. do anything about it. Logistics are pretty, yeah. yeah and, I, and I imagine there's no red tape. Mm. You probably bend a few rules. Yeah, like you could try to do something in, in New Zealand nowadays. Mm. Of that mm. level. Mm. Yeah, so interesting seeing where Super League's going. Okay, John, this week's discussion. This week's discussion. Gold this week. This week was gold. It was this week. We want to know about your nutrition disasters, either within a race, pre-race, or something that has just gone tits up. Tony West, Ironman Western Australia 2016, about 105k into the bike, went to drop an electrolyte pill from the tube in, uh, oh, the into old, my water yeah. bottle. Um, I practiced this for many rides, no issues. On race day, I hit a bit of a bump and four pills dropped into the water. I ended up uh, sucking... Out mouthfuls of extremely thick and strong electrolyte and spitting out bright orange liquid until I could get more plain water into dilute it. People passing me thought I was chucking up. Back to bus though in a few weeks. Pills will be in a bag, not on the tube. Toby Chanel's got just last Sunday caught up in the morning shenanigans with other athletes and simply forgot to have my pre-race meal. Started a 2K, 75K, 16K race on a single cliff bar and well, paid dearly for it throughout the following hours of misery in Bonkland. Luke Partridge stored salt stick tablets in my race belt which dissolved throughout the run course leaving me with serious chemical burns all over my, well you get the picture, spent the morning after the race in ED at Port Macquarie Hospital. Wow, that's an out-of-it-one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Dan Dickinson in Ironman UK 2014, 3am in the hotel bathroom, whilst my support team sleeps soundly in the bedroom next door. I eat sugary, uh, sorry, I eat, uh, sat eating a full jar of apple sauce mixed with protein powder and a mashed up banana. Just, uh, let's just, just say. That wrong. <laughs> that's it a funny combination, isn't it? Pureed apple, mashed banana and protein powder, was it? Yeah. Ugh. Uh, let's just say the run wasn't much fun that day actually from what I know now it's a wonder I made it to, uh, that far before my stomach went not quite disaster pants but not far off disaster pants that's a gold there call. are some <laughs> bizarre <laughs> recipes that people have or bizarre routines that people have before races look Gilmore this, was, this wasn't a bad thing he said when I raced in Kona in 2016 my stomach didn't handle the heat I couldn't get anything down feeling terrible so at about 40k into the bike I grabbed some coke and stayed on coke for the entire race Got me home in sub 10 hours. I recalled an old Macca interview. He said that in the heat, he goes to Coke early and it saved me. Coke is a lifesaver. David Hale. Scott, after deciding not to stop for, uh, for drop nutrition and just eat what was in my aid station, my GPS files post-race said I spent almost an hour in various portaloos during the last part of the bike and on the run. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> 
Um, ben Pasala, not me, but Freddie Van Laird at 70.3 Axon Provence in 2014. He was the reigning Ironman World Championship and wearing the number one bib. I can remember noticing some someone close up to me on the multi-lap run and looking behind I got the glimpse of the bib number one. I moved to the side to let him overtake on the inside corner and I was just about to shout out some words of encouragement when I gagged on the smell of, there's an emoji there with a brown uh, brown emoji with eyes and a smiley face so you can imagine what that is. Um, Freddie Van Laird's white tri-suit and white car sleeves had a lovely brown oh, streak all no. down the side and the stench was horrid. I'm not sure what he had to eat but it certainly didn't go to plan and it was a disaster. We had that road experience uh, with a female athlete last time we were there. We did too, uh, didn't we? And similar sort of story. Yep. Uh, World uh, Hogarth has got, last year I decided to make the move to real food on the bike. And well during training here in the UK, and my favourite was cream cheese, jam, and parma ham. However, come racing in Vichy, it was damn hot. The first small wrap was okay, but by the time I popped the second wrap in, my mouth, the cheese... Uh, had gone off in the heat and I was proceeding to vomit down my arm and was as sick as a dog for quite a few miles. Back to jails this year, I think. Uh, last one I'll do, Hua Chin. I have a sensitive stomach. And that's a th- really common theme here. There's a lot of people are probably having fairly traditional sort of foods but their stomachs are not handling it and the rear end is paying the price. Hyo <laughs> Chin, I have a sensitive stomach and I can only take my own nutrition. This year in uh, Ironman Taiwan, my nutrition got blown off my bike. Tried on-course stuff that just made me sick. At mile 50 on the bike, started losing feeling in my hands and my feet. By mile 80 on the bike, headache and tunnel vision. I'd run the marathon practically blind, lost 13 pounds off <laughs> of uh, 110 pounds and needed three bags of IV. <laughs> He's put smiley faces there, but I'm not thinking that's very smiley face. That's material. a disaster. I'm going to finish with Richard Twenty Noah Swan. Um, does vomiting violently after the Hawaii Ironman after party in 2019 or 2009 count? No, no. Okay, well, okay. Jumbo, you. I am somewhat fortunate that yes, I have. I've, I've, I've done plenty of vomiting, but in terms of downstairs in triathlons, at least, been fairly safe, which is just a relief. I've never had to stop in a race to go for a poo. Um, And I've only once ever stopped on the run to go for a pee, and that's because I was feeling sorry for myself. Uh, The rest of the time... You pee your pants, wouldn't you? Yeah. I I never really need to pee on the run very much. No, neither really. Um, I have peed my pants, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, not, not just at home. (laughs) Yeah, just regular. (laughs) Just now. What about that part? Um... But anyway, I mean, I've, I've definitely had some um, nutrition-related issues, but I think that's normally been related to intensity or not adapted to the heat specifically in Kona. So I haven't really got any um, disaster stories. Um, definitely been vomiting plenty, but yeah, usually a result of the heat and the and, and intensity errors rather than anything else. But I love all these gold stories there. Brilliant. Well, I'm a bit the same. I, I have a stomach of steel. Mm-hmm. I can pretty much eat. I remember on one Ironman... I was having like probably 300 calories an hour or something like that, you know, mm. three or 400 an hour. Um, I remember in one Ironman, I, I got a bit sick of sweet, so I had to stop for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that's the extent of my... Mm. I can eat whatever I want when I train. Mm. I can even like have like a big meal, go out and train. Lucky. How many poos would you go for before a race? Um, it's not something I have to think about. No? No. Like porno, here's the two-poo strategy. Yeah. You know? I sometimes go five even. <laughs> You've got five. a problem. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's coming out. I, I want to be as light as I possibly can. Uh, <laughs> so it's for lightweightness? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I think about the fifth, it's just the people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot, not a lot. <laughs> Better out than in. <laughs> Better out than John, I've got a discussion which I think we should go to. 
but we can do this one this week. Is Iron Man bad for the environment? And what can we do to improve it? Okay. Well, that's going to have to go three weeks down the track. Oh, I've got next one as well. Yeah, I've got next week's one. Oh, mate. I was just in the shower because I was, I was reading your notes for your coach's corner and you talk a little bit about environmental stuff in that. And I was in the shower this morning and I was just thinking, you know what, when you think about Iron Man as a whole, is it bad for the environment? Yeah, well, that depends. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's save that till we get there. Good discussion, isn't it? And, yeah. and if so, what, what, what are the things we can do and do to improve the environmental impact of Iron Man on the world? Anyway, this week's discussion. So this week's discussion was kind of influenced by Peter Curry. He sent through an email and he's just got, I don't know, oh yeah, Subject, Adam Henson. So he's got, hi guys, another ex-pro cyclist is doing an Ironman. Adam Henson did Ironman Florida in a 9.05.54. Less of a uh, suspected pass in Vino, but just kind of what that kind of led us to thinking is, how do we feel about ex-pros from other sports racing age group at Ironman? Uh, if you don't like it, what's the solution? So we, I think we've done the, done it to death a bit with regards to pros coming down. Everybody's got different opinions. You know, we've, we've sort of discussed that quite a bit. But this is somebody who's an ex-pro cyclist. He was a very good pro cyclist, not a Tour de France winner or anything like that. But uh, he was he was good quality, uh, and he came over and did a nine oh five, which. I'm not sure, uh, he didn't place crazy high, but with a 9.05 you'd think he would, but in Florida, pretty fast times. So, yeah, how do we sort of feel about that? And just on that, he mentioned Vinokurov, who I've uh, mentioned a few times lately. He won his age group in Kona, and he's an ex- You're not his favourite. Drugs cheat. Uh, there was, I also saw a story about him this week. He just got cleared on a court case for um, trying to influence a race that he was involved in. So in cycling, you have monument races. What's a monument you, race? But like a Grand Slam type thing. So there's a certain number. Uh, oh, like, so, like tennis. Yeah, so I'm not sure how many monuments there are. Let's say maybe there's eight or ten or something okay. like that. It's kind of like your Grand Slam. So you got your Tour and de France. Like a one day. One day, Grand Slam one day racing. Okay. So you got your big tours, Tour de France, Tour of Italy, Tour of uh, Spain. Um, and you've got other sort of you know multi-day tours. But you've got the monuments, which are the one day races like Paris-Nice, Milan, San Remo, etc. Um, and there was one, and I'm not sure which one he, 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 he won it, but apparently paid off the other guy he was riding with and paid him 150,000 euros um, really? for him to win the race. And there's quite a bit of evidence showing that uh, there was a transaction that did happen. But, but, but in saying that, isn't that something that always happens in cycling? Well, that, and I think that's the argument for, for a lot of the people. There's, there's all sorts of dealings going on, but it's not to say it's right. Uh, but I all. know a pro athlete in triathlon who's done that, or offered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's, so it's in a race, you know. Yeah. They've said to another pro, "Hey, mate, if you can help me here, I'll give you some cash." Yeah, and it's, so it's I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying he got off, he got off. There was just I think not quite enough evidence beyond reasonable doubt to convict him. Uh, so it must have been quite a few years ago. But anyway, just thought that was interesting. It's, uh, how do you feel about that? I'm blown away. If you're going to pay somebody $150,000, it just shows how much money is involved in cycling compared to our measly little sport of triathlon. €150,000 to win a race, you say, to say the other guy. But how do you big. feel about it, is it overall? Oh, I think it's crap. Yeah, but... That's not like, a year, but it's cheap. It's, it's, if you, you've got to go win the race. I know that's how it works in cycling, but that doesn't make it right. Yeah. It's a funny one, isn't it? I, I agree. I, I, I don't think it should be done. Hmm. I know, it does. It definitely gets You look at like poker, and poker, what often happens in poker is people work, have odds with each other. Mm. So let's say you and I are good at poker and we're going to win a series of poker, mm. and you might, you, know, you might get like an eighth of mine. Mm. So they do this kind of pooling of, so they all kind of make some money at the end of it. Right. Um, 
Yeah, it's really... And one, uh, actually, Freakonomics, I think, did a really good podcast recently. And this is kind of different, but it's, it's kind of similar. So they, what they're starting to do, there's a company in America now that what they're doing is with up-and-coming pro athletes, they've got the kind of the, the leagues for the guys who are going to be the next mm. level stars. And buy shares in them. Yeah, no, but they buy shares in each other. Mm. So, you know, like you might be the guy who's going to make 40 million in your career and I might be the guy who makes nothing, but we don't really know. Mm. So we're kind of saying, okay, well, you, you're going to lose some of your finances, but you're kind of you know, creating this system around it. It's, mm. Yeah, it's, that's a bit different because it's not for a result. It's more mm. just for your earnings and your career. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't like it. but Definitely alliances happen out there and that happens in our sport as well. Um, so if you're in a breakaway, you work with other people. But in terms of actually going, I'll give you $150,000 to uh, let me win the race. What about you being a domestique? What if I pay you to be a domestique? That's totally different because that's, uh, that's team racing. But what, what if it's not a team race? Like let's say I'm man. Let's say I go to, mm. I'm good enough to win the race, and I go to Keenly and say, "Look, mate, I'll give you two thirds of the prize money because I can make lots of sponsorship mm. if you can just ride in front of me and just keep, you know, and keep everyone else away." How do you feel about that? Not very good, but I know it probably happens. Yeah, probably. I'd love to know. I'd love to know how much it happens. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I, you know, with this one, I just think it's a big part of their sport. Mm-hmm. You know, like again. Okay, John, uh, sponsor. Stream endurance. Galactic buffer. If you're struggling with your sleep, check out CD Deep Sleep. Uh, contains GABA and tryptophan to help calm you down. It's got 5-HTP, which helps you to produce more serotonin. And it's got MCT, which gives you numerous health benefits. So they've got their CD Deep Sleep in uh, two different formats. You either get it in like a little peppermint um, tablet or they've also got a slightly different formulation in a dropper bottle. So for those of you, a bit like me, I'm not very good with tablets all the time. The little dropper bottle probably suits better. Um, so geez, X-Insurance well, Why are you good with tablets? I just struggle to swallow them. I've even oh. done my, my tips in terms of swallowing The stand-up strategy. The stand-up strategy. Ben, ben Ford uh, strategy works quite well. Um, but A, I'm not very good at swallowing them and B, I'm just hopeless with the routines with the tablets. So um, the the little dropper bottle would be would work good for me. So check uh, look, one thing I've noticed with my sleep recently, John, I'm a good sleeper. So am I. I don't struggle to get sleep, mm. but I have to admit, I think, and I've been pretty busy in life right now. I know you don't know mm. we're busy, but I'm kind of you got a lot on. From the moment I wake up to pretty much till seven o'clock at night, I just go, mm. um, and then I go to bed nine thirty and crash or nine, sorry, and crash. But I getting enough sleep, but I'm still tired. Mm. So I wonder if this will help with that. Quite possibly. Maybe I need deeper sleep. Maybe you need more sleep. Well, I'm, I'm, I think I'm getting eight. Oh, eights. I go to bed about. I go to sleep at nine thirty. Wake up about quarter to five. You go to bed at nine. Or... Yeah, what would you? About eleven thirty. So anyway, check it out, xendurance.com, along with all their other fantastic products. We've got a big range. Belinda was trying the other day their collagen and greens with a, with a bit of a smoothie action going on. So check out the full Collagen range. and greens, what's that? Mm, I haven't got that in front of me right now, Bevan, but it's okay. collagen and greens. Okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, so check out their full range. And if you've got a partner who's into the sport as well, might be a good idea to start thinking about some Christmas presents. Bloody Belinda's starting to play the Christmas music in her house, and it, she does it just to annoy me, I think, because I'm... December, when is, when, December when, the 1st. When, oh, December 1st. It should be, but I think hers is November the 1st. Well, I think you win probably next week or the week after you're going to see a Christmas tree at this house. Mm. Did I tell you my Christmas tree story? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. My mother has a Christmas tree. with a, She paid a thousand bucks for like about eight years ago. Yeah. Probably a little bit longer ago, John. That's a lot and of money for a Christmas tree. I know. And my joke was always, that's my inheritance. Mm. I'm like, mum, that's my inheritance. Don't, yeah. don't buy it. Well, she's sick of it now. 
So guess who's getting a thousand dollar Christmas tree? Oh my goodness, you did. It was your inheritance. Yeah. So when you come around, it's pretty. It's it's all out. She's given us the decorations. You have got a high roof. Yeah, we have got a high roof, but we'll probably put it in there. Yeah. Yep. So when you walk in the hallway in a couple weeks' time, you'd be pretty excited about a thousand dollar Christmas tree. With inflation, John, it's probably worth about two thousand now. So there you go. You can add in that depreciation. That's right. Uh, Jombo, let's put some music on. Group of the week. week. Now, John, last week we looked at some of the older age groups in the Kona I'm, um, Ironman World Championship age group winners. But this week we're going to look at the younger category. So we're going to go from 18 to 39. Do you want to do the girls, I'll do the boys, or vice versa? Uh, I'll do the boys, you do the girls. Okay, give me a second to pull up. Okay, so just a couple of interesting things that I pulled up here because often we think oh, age groupers, they, they're winning the age group there, they should be racing pro. Um, the first male age grouper overall was only in 30, uh, the famous 33rd position in the men's field with an 844. Um, uh, and then in the female side, slightly different, you had the first female age group was 17th, um, but she did win by nearly 15 minutes. Uh, second would have been 23rd. So you go, oh, these guys should be racing pro, but they're racing pro, they'd be still getting fairly well spanked and uh, certainly not going home with a with a prize purse. Uh, whereas if they did race, you know, the top pros, if they did race, no, top age groupers, if they did race pro at other Ironman races, then they might be, you know, somewhat competitive, certainly in the, the top 10, if not the top five. So youngest athletes we had um, is the 80, 18 to 24 age group, which was, were not the fastest. Um, the winner was in 9.08.13 to win by five minutes. He was Gustav Palm Henriksen. From Denmark, we had some couple of guys from Denmark last week who were first and second in one of the other age groups. And the eighteen to twenty-four female winner, it was Laura Eddy from the UK. She did a time of ten forty-four slash forty-nine, one hundred four on the swim, uh, five thirty-three thirty-three in the bike, and then she pulled off a four-hour sixteen in the run. So well done. Run splits were not that quick. Um, so in the next age group here, the 25 to 29, Aaron Thomas from the UK, he came home in 8.47. That's a quick time uh, for, with a 3.05.16 run to win the age group by nearly 10 minutes. Okay, then we go along to the 25 to 29 category, and it was uh, Natalia Van Hurden from uh, South Africa. Uh, she used part of my training day. She did a 9.39.20, one hour swim, a 5.10 bike, and then she pulled off a 3.22 run to win by about, uh, what's her overall time? She won by about 16 minutes. Uh, in the men's 30.34, Ivan Carices Lopez from... I got Spain, and he took it out. He did a good, good solid run split. He went eight forty seven oh eight. Came home in a two fifty five to win by two minutes and forty seconds over Neil Eddy from Great Britain. Uh, from also from the Great British country <laughs> slash Great Britain, uh, Ruth. Prubrook and she was did a 920 with a 101 swim a 455 bike that's a solid bike and then she ran a 317 she won by 14 minutes as well over Kirsten Stroop so well done 
Christoph uh, Dells from, I think it's a German flag. Uh, he came home, also had an awesome run split. He did 8.44.12 to win by one minutes and four seconds. He took seven minutes out of the fella in front of him, uh, who was Donovan Gildhurs from South Africa. That would have been close. Uh, so he came home at a 2.56 for an 8.44.12 to win by one minute and four seconds. Okay, then in the age group of 35 to 39 in the females, it was Jana Rich Trevov, uh, and she did a 9.55, and t- uh, she also she swam 1.16. She biked, what's her bike time? 4.58, and then she ran a 3.33.52. Well done. Solid. That's it. That's Kona age group winners for this year. Yeah. What, Lots what, of fast the, bike times. What was the theme for this year? Because like, it wasn't the fastest age group year, was it? Uh, it didn't no, well, the, the, I don't think it was a, a course record um, uh, compared to the previous year. So a particular theme. I just think that the general theme here is the run splits weren't didn't seem on the face of it to me to be that quick. Uh, and we had uh, a couple of, you know, especially on the female side, the, the female that won, it was it was a near dojo domination. So yeah. solid stuff. So well done to all our age groups. What an achievement. Oh, that's great. And I'm just pleased that it seemed like it was a fairer race this year in terms of uh, a little up. bit less draft, drafting, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I love it. I love it. To get to being an age group champion, mm. it's, you're, in a, you're a legend, man. Mm. You know, what, what did I say earlier? 100,000 people do the sport mm-hmm. every year. Mm. You know, to be one of the, you know, the, what eight people when you get you know and, and perform particularly on that day in a difficult uh, very very difficult climate uh, high pressure it's uh, it's good stuff it's, you know of course we've got we've talked about various pros that have come down and stepped down and, and they'll be winning the age groups but for those ones that are pure age groupers that haven't got a you know world championship medals etc in, in single sports or past pro athletes um, those ones that are sort of just built up from nothing uh, all of them are awesome but it's just sometimes it's amazing what people can do with just a few years of uh, solid commitment okay John let's get into Coach's Corner 3, 2, 1 Coach's, coaches corner. corner I always love a Coach's Corner with the last comment that says don't be a dick yeah. so um, now before you get into this while we were talking about Pete Jacobs earlier um, I was just kind of jumped onto his Twitter and uh, just Everyone's talking about that Game Changers documentary on Netflix. Have you seen that? Uh, I I think it's the one that I've seen ages ago. It's been on there for ages, I think. If that's no, the I one think it's I think. more recent. Okay, maybe yeah. they've got some new episodes. Netflix do put some dubious food documentaries up. Right, yeah. You know, ones that then after the fact, you know, they kind of get beaten down with kind mm. of science. But Tim Noakes has, has just got here. He, uh, basically, he's on Twitter, Tim Noakes has got Chris Kessler. Um, provides an excellent, easy-to-understand summary of the difference between animal and protein, uh, plant proteins and exposes many of the errors in the film The Game Changers. The film clearly is clearly propaganda and it's not science. James Cameron will have a lot to answer for in the future. And I just think, you know, because you, you, people watch these documentaries and they just take them as gospel. Oh, absolutely. You know, and so, because uh, I know I was speaking to some people at the gym the other day and they are like, oh my God, this Game Changers, I've changed my whole diet. Mm. And I was like, yeah, well, there seems to be a bit of kind of controversy about this and mm. Netflix have put a lot of a lot of docos up that you know a lot of people like Tim Noakes will go after the fact and say well back it up back it up you back know, that so. truck up so anyway John you've done some research you've been doing your homework but, uh, yep so I did a little project you know partly because I had to for, for my study but partly it's just still an area of interest that I've got and so what I'm going to try to do is just present the findings from what I did rather than just go over our opinions on low carb high fat diet again because we've done, we've done that in the past so what the, the sort of title of my study was uh, perceptions of male endurance athletes aged 30 to 55 who follow a low carb high 
fat diet. Um, and what I was trying to do is um, is find out why athletes actually follow the diet, where they get their information from, which is quite apt given Bevan's comments that he's just made there, mm. and the effect the diet has made. Because there's plenty of research out there now and there's more coming out all the time but often it's not super specific to us in terms of the endurance world in terms of the protocols they follow um, some of it is but you know often you can dig holes in research saying oh that doesn't quite work you know it's done on some of this is done on obese people some's done on you know high performance athletes some's done on males some's done on females so it was really just to understand for, the, for, for a small group of people you know how the diet's working why they do it etc so I recruited nine uh, Ironman athletes um on social media and then just went and interviewed them for around about 20 to 35 minutes just sort of asking them those questions I've already mentioned. Um, what I will say as Bevan's just mentioned as well it's a massively polarising topic um, and anything that I'm going to say below in terms of what the athletes are saying it's good, you're going to be able to refute it on both sides of the arguments. You're going to be able to pull out scientific research saying Tell you what man this I'm is, just going showing... to Pete Jacob's Twitter feed here. <laughs> you, you, I'm like, you can waste your life worrying about this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like these guys just and this is part of the problem not part of the problem a lot of the time you know we're not getting a balanced um view of, of this topic around nutrition and around low carb high fat whether it's good or bad so often people are blinded by confirmation bias so the you know you find you go right I want to do low carb high fat and all you're going to look at is all the, do, uh, the, the research that supports that mm. and you often don't look at the other side um, and so what I'm going to try to do here is present sort of a little bit on both sides of the both sides of the argument because I think the low carb high fat fraternity get a lot of airtime, um, and the other side of the argument, more traditional nutrition, doesn't necessarily get uh, so much airtime. Which doesn't necessarily mean to say one's right or it's the other. Because a controversy gets not not saying it's controversial, but um, I, I, have I talk, I'm sure we've said this on the show before. But there's a guy called Russell Brunson who's kind of one of the biggest internet marketing gurus. Mm. Uh, if anyone's going to try to sell anything on the internet, they're going to end up going to this guy. Um, and he wrote a book about influencing, and he basically said in that book, you want to, you basically want to go kind of slightly outside of science. Mm. Yeah, and you always want to kind of be look like you knew, and all, you know, and and it's it kind of works, you mm. know, like it gets attention at least. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So a couple of questions I had from people: um, Why have I only chosen males only? You know, when I first put the post on Facebook, but what about the females? And it's not because I'm a sexist pig. Oh, oh no, <laughs> it's it's it's. Partly because the diet affects different genders um, so quite differently. So it's just be specific to But male. to try to be specific. Uh, I was also using a really small sample size. Um, you know, I only had, uh, I was only going to have nine or ten athletes. And then the reason I chose 30 to 55, my rationale was kind of by the time you get to 30, you probably started to sort of get off that uni wagon where you're just eating crap and you can get away with eating crap and your diet's maybe settled down a little bit. Um, and also I wanted to be able to compare what I found with, with, the majority of the research out there which is typically done on that sort of group of male athletes rather than necessarily females so in a perfect world I would have done a study on this group that I looked at you do another study on females of a similar age group and then you'd probably look at the two groups again for people that maybe haven't followed a low carb high fat diet they've followed a maybe just a, a modified diet and see and then compare the changes so a few of the findings that I had um, firstly uh, in terms of the participants um, you know People that want to talk and do an interview about a topic are generally going to be pretty into it, and yep. so the ones that you know, the people that I was speaking to, are into it. They're loving it, and uh, and they want to talk about it, and it's been really successful for them. So it's not really a fair representation of everybody who's tried low carb. So high you, did, fat, you didn't right? get people who tried it and pulled away from it. No, I didn't. I just went. And did you ask for that? No, I just said I just need one of the first ten people that were going to to come on board and do it. So again, that would be another 
study for people that have tried and failed. Yeah. But for this particular group, it was those ones that are really keen and just to look at their um, their perceptions. Okay, so, so you're being upfront about that. Um, so next point was, and I think this is a really important point that I found out as I was talking to them, that most but not all of the guys that I spoke to uh, had partners that were into the diet as well. And I think that's really, really important. It makes it easier. You're not sort of battling your partner or battling your family situation to um, to try to follow oh. a diet. Well, it's also just people like when you think of people who try to do weight loss and their partner's not. Mm. You know, it's just, you know, we tend to eat food together. We tend to create food together. It's a hard thing when one person's doing it's mm. something completely different. And so that was really, really important. Uh, and then... Also, what I thought was interesting, and this wasn't a criteria, but most of the athletes that I spoke to had been following the diet for three, between three and six years. So it's quite a lengthy period of time. There was only one that had been shorter than that. So it's not like it's just a fad. They've just jumped on board and they've seen these amazing results really quickly. They've actually persevered and uh, been following it for quite some time. In terms of the why people, they the group followed the diet, you know, the initial thinking was it's all about performance. I'm just going to, this is what I thought. I thought they're just going to be doing it because they want to try to uncover every bloody stone and try to get as fast as they possibly can. But that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, most of them, you know, performance was definitely a desired outcome, but it wasn't the number one fact. Most of them were doing it for uh, general health reasons, general interest, struggles with race day nutrition, and trying to sort of look after their body composition. But quite a few of them were general health. They had Some of them had a family history of various different diseases, and they felt that following this diet from what they read was going to actually lessen their chances of that. For example, um, there was one uh, who had a diabetes in the, in the family, and so they felt that this was going to lessen their chance of that. Another one had heart disease, which was often caused through obesity, and they found, well, they thought that they would, uh, have by having you know, a lower body mass, that it was going to lessen their chance of uh, falling into that trap. Um, in terms of where the athletes get their info from, Bevan was saying just before about you know these various documentaries and, and you watch one documentary and you, you jump on that bandwagon and you're away. Yeah. Um, and this wasn't the case with this particular group. Often things like that, whether it be podcasts like us or other podcasts talking about the topic or blog posts or things that they've seen in different media, that was the, their first step and that created the interest for them. But then this group went away and actually did further research, looked at the science and so on. And that's what you guys need to be doing, just... Never listen to one person, just yeah. uh, take that going, oh, that's interesting. And then they went and looked out um, at what, what the science was actually saying. So these, this group was pretty well informed and the, the sources they were looking at were pretty reputable, guys like you know, Noakes and Dan Plews and, and so on. So they were um, you know, academics. In terms of actually the, the common themes, and, and when you're doing a sort of a qualitative study like this, that was sort of my task, was you do all the interviews, transcribing interviews, not a lot of fun. Not a lot of fun. Did you end up paying? No, I didn't. No, oh. I, so I transcribed them. and uh, yeah, It's not, not cheap. How long were the interviews? Uh, 20 to 35 minutes. Yeah, there's a place called Rev.com, and they're really fast. I use them a lot for Facebook ads, mm. um, but there's like a dollar a minute. Mm. Yeah, but but... They get it to you in like 20 minutes. They're pretty great. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, so w after doing transcribing, then I'm kind of looking for common themes across um, across the athletes. One thing that came up that was common, pretty much all of them, was you know the, the, often the protocol we follow is to go into a state of ketosis for that first sort of three to five weeks, um, and then kind of uh, and then sort of adapt after that. And during that three to five weeks, universally, and this is this is shown up in the research as well, is the athletes felt rubbish uh, and felt rubbish both in training and in just everyday life. So, and so when you these guys 
they're not trying to do the ketosis thing? Yeah, no, they were. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's quite a big change as a lot of them are coming from quite a high carbohydrate diet and then to go to, so ketosis is when you're having less than 50 grams of carbohydrates. So it's not just going, oh, I'm going to cut out the bread and the pasta and the rice. It's like basically no carbs. It's, yeah, it's, it's, you've got to be very, very diligent. You've, and when you do that, you're basically, what you're doing is you're triggering that, that activation system and then you just go to about how many carbs a day after that? Well, then it, then it varies in, this, in the athletes. Some, some stay in that state, others then maybe hover anywhere between 50 and maybe up to 200 grams of carbs a day, which is okay. still low. When, you, when yeah. you try to work that out, it's still pretty low. But most hover in that sort of 100 to 150 grams. So this was a really common theme in that three to five week period. Training was crap. Um, they felt crap. Uh, and it was just a real struggle to get through. And a number of them commented, this is why they felt that a, a, a number of athletes give up on the diet and then it fails is because during that period they're going this is rubbish it doesn't work I feel like crap I can't even do a yes. couple of intervals so they don't persevere long enough don't to persevere and give up yep and there was like a switch for most of them after that period you know somewhere in that sort of three to six week period there was a switch and went boom sweet once that switch was flicked they were they were sweet uh, and this was a this next point I'll make uh, often uh, one of the, <coughs> the dogmas sort of around doing low carb high fat is that high intensity workouts are compromised and you can't really do that high intensity a lot of people say oh yeah it might be good you might be better at your endurance but you can't do that that sort of high end stuff um, and and mo- a lot of the research also supports that saying that you're not going to be not going to be improving and often you uh, your high end is going to be detrimental the problem with that is high intensity is a pretty um, ambiguous sort of term, you know. So mm. for an Ironman athlete going and doing a six by one k's at the track at your ten k pace, you might consider that to be high intensity, whereas a cyclist might be considering going and doing thirty second bursts uh, at a really high percentage of VO two max as high intensity. So quite an ambiguous term. But this group, they said, once they'd got through that adaptation period, um, they didn't find a problem at all. They didn't say they improved, but they didn't say that it was a struggle to. to hit the same sort of intensity that they'd previously done in training so um, that was really interesting because often people that's what people cite is high intensity can't do it Um, in terms of their actual performance um, as I said much of the research out there is uh, is obviously lab based it's not really long enough you know a lot of the studies are maybe one, two, three, four, up to five hours long. Um, and so it's not really that applicable for us that are out there racing between anywhere from nine to 17 hours. You know, there's a lot that happens uh, to our bodies as we go through that period. So often the research is not long enough. And often the level of athletes is quite different to, you know, your average age grouper. You know, they're often going to be, you know, national representatives or high-end athletes that go and do this research rather than your sort of, you know, your 12-hour Ironman. So the results are going to be quite different. So Pretty much most of the, not most, a fair chunk and of the research and uh, Louise Burke who's the lead uh, sort of sports nutritionist at the AIS or was, I'm not sure if she still is, um, you know, she did a, a um, uh, study a study just looking at, at all the research that was out there and there wasn't really anything for her to conclusively say the low carb high fat is going to help your performance so the studies that she looked at uh, um, and in some cases it's going to decrease your performance but what we found with this group was that most of the athletes have found that they have actually improved their performance not necessarily in terms of going faster um, in terms of your 10k pace or or anything like that it's more being able to sustain that that pace for long durations of time Um, so they're fueling Um, this was quite varied how they actually fueled but uh, on race day, but what they found in training, once you're adapted, go out and get to do endurance sessions on just water. 
you know, for, for, you know four or five, six hours um, just on water if it's low intensity. Do you um, miss eating? Sorry? Well, I like eating. Yeah, uh, well, that's the thing. Uh, eating then becomes... Um, or more on demand so you eat when you feel like you need to eat so you, you, you come out and this is what a number of them said you come out of that regiment where you go I must eat breakfast lunch and dinner and have my snacks you come out of that regiment and you kind of eat when you need to eat um, so mm. this is what these, these guys are yeah, saying yeah. Um, in terms of their fueling yeah uh, fuel Food's not always on your mind. So for a lot of us, you know, you're going out, you go, right, I'm going for a you know, big bike ride. It's going to be 100 miles, 160 kilometers. And you're sitting there going, right, so I need to have a, a gel here. I'm going to have a, a banana here. And, I, and you're thinking about you're fueling all the way through. Whereas for this group, they just kind of said, well, I'll go out for a long session. And if it's not super specific, I'll just go out and have water and maybe have something out there. But the, the, the planning wasn't quite uh, so in-depth and you didn't have to sit there mixing all your drinks and your gels, etc. Um, there was a lot of trial and error. Um, especially because a lot of these guys have been following it for maybe up to six years, and I'd say in that sort of period in you know, 2010 to 2015, there was probably less information out there, so a lot of trial and error in racing and in training um, before they actually found the formula that worked for them, and likewise where to sit in that range of carbs per day, whether some stayed in ketosis, some stayed at 100 grams, some stayed at 150, they kind of just felt what worked right for them. On a day-to-day basis, um, all of them almost reported that the mental clarity was better, so they just just sort of more flatline, you're not having those highs and lows, you're not sort of falling asleep at your desk, um, you just generally felt better and, and more alert. Um, the downside of the of my study in particular is low carb, high fat is quite an umbrella term. So, as mm. I said, you know, some were on ketosis, some were were not. Um, and I think one of the, I think a lot of people judge people who follow this diet and just think that it's a really unhealthy diet. They go, they just think, oh, that person's just eating fat. They're probably having bacon for every day for breakfast. They're probably having lard here, there, and everywhere. Um, and so, there's no sort of hard and fast rule how you should follow the diet. Um, but for, for this group of athletes, they were generally fo- following what I think is a pretty healthy diet. There's lots of vegetables in there. Um, of course, there was the fat in there, and, and there was definitely some saturated fat, but a crap load of vegetables. Um, the other problem I had with my, my study was there was no control group. So, you know, you, you, you say, well, these athletes kind of went from high-carbohydrate diet, um, most of them, uh, quite a high-carbohydrate diet, to a really low-carbohydrate diet. But what would have happened if they'd gone somewhere in the middle and sort of gone for a more periodized approach, um, a bit like what we talked to with Bob Sebaha before, where you know you have carbs around your your key sessions and then on your lighter days maybe have a little bit less? Would we have found the, the same results? And I don't have the answers for that. Um, the other side of it didn't look at any woman, um, and there's there's different the research out there on low carb, high fat for, and the effect on women. You're definitely going to get some very very conflicting. Um, results from that especially with regards to how it affects hormones so females you need to definitely look at female specific research uh, around this so that was it in a summary but you know I think a key thing was that there's all these there seems to be there's two camps you either low carb high fat or your sort of traditional high carb um, diet and I think both sides kind of need to respect that there's not one right answer um, and what I've sort of shown in this group is that for some people low carb high fat works really really well for other people um, it doesn't uh, necessarily work that well it would be really interesting to know the percentage of people who you know because you've got people who have managed to make it work mm. um, in sustainable long-term way it would be really interesting to see you know to do the similar thing of people who tried and didn't 
succeed mm-hmm. in regards to not you know just and to, why just they to didn't get succeed yeah, yeah totally because um was their training rubbish um was it just not sustainable in terms of fitting in with family i think that's absolutely cru- crucial uh, role and that's where it comes down it's hard to change habits it is hard to change habits but m- what most of these guys reported and whenever we've spoken to somebody who does follow the diet after a while then this just becomes habit so it's yeah. just normal so they don't feel special or, or anything like that it's just oh that, that's kind of what i do yep. um in terms of their race day strategies um yeah there's there's some different research out there with regards to this so when you go um, high fat, you know you you are all the, these guys found it, and the research backs it up. If you go low carb, high fat, you're going to improve uh, your rates of uh, oxidizing your fat and using that as a, as a fuel source. Yep. But at the same time, um, you are going to reduce the ability to um, yep. process your carbohydrates. Yeah. So if you it's do, kind of reverse effect, isn't it? Yeah. So um, so then you've got to think about what your fueling is going to be on on race day. So if you're doing low carb, high fat, and then you're thinking I'm going to do um, a high carb in take on race day you know your ability to process those carbs are going to be limited and the, the opposite applies um you know for, for, for it's equally bad if you're not equally bad but if you're following a really high carbohydrate fat diet then you do need to be just stoking that fire the whole way through and your ability to to um, oxidize your fat is going to be really limited so i think a couple of other things that i had just down here the long-term effect is still pretty unknown you know i think a lot of us throw stones at people in that sort of low carb high fat diet thinking oh you're going to die of cancer or, or you're going to get heart disease etc um, but there's not really and, and I think if you did have it really unhealthy if you had bacon for breakfast you had lard for lunch and just yeah but then you, you look at the, the paleo people mm. that's what they're into I know so it's um, they're going to argue I'm sure some paleo people oh it's a healthy way yeah so there's there's not really well, I didn't see any long term and by long term you know we're talking 5, 10, 20 years that's the problem isn't uh, it but equally you know following a really high carbohydrate diet is probably going to be uh, not great for you long term either so long term what do you call high, high, high? Oh, like 700 grams of carbs a day like the traditional high carb diet you know it'd be right you're having your cereals and your fruits for breakfast um, you're going to be snacking on probably carbohydrate sort of based stuff you know maybe have a muffin for, for breakfast time or some more toast lunchtime you're going to be having you know your, your couple of sandwiches uh, and then you're probably going to be having more fruit and carbs etc afternoon tea um Whatever yep. you might have, another muffin or something, and then dinner is going to be heavily carb-based. You know, whether it be lots of potatoes, lots of rice, etc. And so, you know, you look at that and you go, "It's not not unhealthy. It's not like you're sitting there having bloody fish and chips for dinner every night." Yeah. But yeah. it's a very high carbohydrate diet. Um, so I'd say that's not necessarily that good for you. Um, the ethics around this, and I didn't really delve into this uh, in particular, the ethics and the environmental impact. So Bevan brought up the topic before around uh, the environmental impact of doing Ironman. Mm. For me, why I don't sort of consistently follow a low-carb, high-fat diet is you do generally need to eat quite a bit of meat, and I'm trying to reduce my meat intake rather than necessarily increasing it. Why? Mainly because of the environmental impact yep. of, of having so much meat, so that doesn't sit well for me at all. Um, and... Yeah, what else did I have down here? Yeah, my, my comment around don't being a dick is, look, I think there's definite gains for, for doing like high-fat diet. I don't think you have to do it, but these guys have shown that it's worked really well for them. But if, if you're in a family situation where your wife or your partner was against it, your family's not really into it, you just got to decide what's more important to you. You know, If you're doing this purely for performance and it's going to end up with uh, egg all over the wall, is it really worth it? But if you're in a supportive environment or you're single, etc., then um, by all means, check it all out. And I also think don't be the dick. It also represents because that's the thing when you look, look at that Twitter feed. These people are man, their identity is their food. Mm. You know what I mean? And I always just think, you know, and I've talked about this on the show. 
you yeah, find your way. Mm. Stick with it, but don't think about food your whole bloody life. Mm. You know, you, you what a waste of your life if you spend your whole life thinking about food. You know, you can do so much better things in your life. So if if you are someone who's you know you think about food more than what you just when you're eating it. Mm. Maybe it's time you do an assessment on this. Well, and and try to do some balanced research. Um, so which is going to be which is, hard. which is really hard and confusing yeah. because then you're going to go, what the hell? Both sides say say they're right, but that's why I love the lady the other week. Mm. You know, like she was pretty great. Who was her name? That lady from who we got on, who was also part of. I'll, I'll pull it up. Yeah, she was really great because she was just kind of upfront. She knew her crap. Mm. You know what I mean? And she could see, you know, both sides of the argument. And um, yeah, yeah. So there's no perfect way. Yeah, yeah. Just about it. again. Go. My my point is, if you're thinking about food all your whole life, her name was uh, Dr. Krista Austin. Um, you know, start develop yourself. Go. We'll keep ways. going on this topic. Those food people. That's a thing. It's a topic that keeps on giving, isn't it? Well, there, there's one reason I don't really get caught up in it. A, I'm healthy. I get my health man check. Doc says I'm in great condition. Mm-hmm. Get all my blood bloods and everything. I'm, I'm picture of health. B. I don't know, body composition I'm really happy with. Mm. C, I don't want to spend my life, whenever I've thought about, like I've had moments, so I might try low fat, I think, I find myself thinking about food all the time. <laughs> and I think, what a waste of my life. Yeah. I'd much rather be connecting with people, growing, mm. creating things to help people, you know, I'd much rather be creative. It's like, what a waste of a life. Yeah, but it's, that, that, again, it, that's about changing habits and that's the hard part. But once you've changed the habit, it's not, not hard. Yeah, but so I think there are a lot of people who, who have changed a habit and still spend a lot of things about food. Mm. And that's where my concern is. Mm. You know, like to me, there's a lot of, like, and that's the thing, is there's a lot of healthy people out there who have an unhealthy level of thinking about food. Mm. You know, now if, if you're saying you need to create some change, mm. create change and you get back to a pretty normal life, mm. all good, but. Yeah, just it's an area I'm slightly concerned with because we are the type of people who kind of a type. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and also if you're the kind of person who's sitting there judging everyone else's food, mm. get a bloody life. <laughs> That's a lot of judging. Get a life. Yeah. Like I, I, went, I did a talk there of a week, and uh, and and uh, I promote health. Mm. Um, I never talk about food, but mm. I promote health. And I just talked to the business, you know, the university business school. And uh, and then I had a drink of Coke Zero afterwards. And people came and judging me about drinking Coke Zero. <laughs> and I'm thinking, get a life, you know, like, yeah, so get a life, man. Um, John, pro of the week. Pro of the week. Now, this week we're going to look at Daniela. Uh, now, I'm not, uh, now, you've got this Blamer. 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 I've seen different pronunciations of her name. I'd say, I'd say Blay, but, but Blame, hey, I'm not great with words. Blamer. Um, a, a Blamer. I saw Bob Babbitt, I think, saying Daniela Blamer. And uh, the reason why I want to talk about her is because I didn't know much about her at all uh, until she beat Lucy Charles and wrote a couple of years ago um, by nine seconds. And, and, it was, a, and it was a great, we were there, that was a great race. Great racing. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't, still didn't, didn't really know too much about her, so I thought we'll just look into her a little bit more because she did finish ninth in Kona this year, uh, so really solid performance, and she's won a bunch of other Ironman races. So, uh, and to her credit, she has uh, she keeps her her website up to date, which is a real anomaly for pro athletes. Well, but in fairness to the athletes who don't, it's not really where people go nowadays. It's where I go. You like to think about your audience. Yeah, but you're you're old and you you know on social media. Yeah, <laughs> most people are on living their life on social media. Yeah, and so you know if you got if you're going to get more attention, I guarantee if you go her website hits in comparison to her Instagram hits, 
Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, so Daniela has won multiple Ironman races. She won Mallorca in 2015. She won Hamburg in 2017. So I probably should have known about her before, right? But there's, as we said earlier in the show, there's what, 45, 46 Ironmans now. It's quite hard to keep track of all of them. Uh, and then her big win was in Rote in 2018. Uh, she also won in Italy in 2018 as well. Um, this year in Kona, she finished in ninth place. Interestingly, I thought was uh, she was 10 minutes off eighth. So it took, well, there was some really close case, racing um, sort of in those mid-places in the top 10 and then there was like a 10-minute gap between her and ninth place. So she didn't have the greatest run, but even if she should, she could have, she would have had to run a lot quicker to be uh, to, to move up the podium a little bit. She was four seconds off having the fastest split of the day, so she swam 59, um, she rode a 4.45 and then ran a 3.19 where she dropped down. She was right in the mix there for quite some periods, but a 3.19 is not going to cut the mustard. Uh, so she's 31 year old, 31 years old. She's from Germany, from Darmstadt. And the reason I know about Darmstadt is uh, they've got a strong triathlon team there. A few Kiwis have been over there a number of times. She's got a son, so she's only 31. She's got an eight-year-old son. Not quite the Isles um, reproductive. No, it's disappointing in my family. Yeah, it's late. It's on my daughter. She's <laughs> yeah. letting us down. Uh, and she's got an up-to-date website, as she as I said. Uh, she's been doing triathlon for around about 17 years. So she started as a, as a kid. Uh, she turned pro in around about 2010. Did her first Ironman in 2012, where she finished third. Uh, and then her fastest time was, I think, in Rote, where she did an 8.42. So mm. Daniela Blamer from Germany. Keep a look out for her. She's probably not going to be a necessarily an Ironman winner at Kona, but she could, she's, she could pull off a top five, couldn't she? She could pull off a top five on a good day, you know, if she yep. can get that run down towards closer to three hours, which I believe she is capable of doing. But uh, Kona's a different beast. Then she she's she's got that day against Lucy too, didn't she? She did, yeah. She yes. caught her, I think, caught her at sort of about 34k on the run. Yeah. And uh, and Lucy wasn't, to be fair, wasn't having her greatest day. But Lucy also fought as well. Mm. Oh, it was a great, great battle. Yeah, and then uh, she, she finished, I think, third this year behind. I think it was Sarah Crowley and Lucy Charles. So still a really good time, a really good day, and I think she actually went quicker. But uh, the other girls were a bit stronger. So that's your pro of the week, Daniela Blamer. Okay, John, let's do winger of the week. And this week, I'm going to say twenty-eight. 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 There's no reason why, John. I don't okay. care. I, I, just, I thought of the rugby league. Adam Wilson. He did 15 hours of training. He did. Uh, fifteen hours is twenty-eight. It is. Uh, oh. He beat out uh, the grinder by eight minutes. Grinder was in the pool this morning. Oh, my Thomas was in the lane with the grinder this morning, grinding it out. Oh, does Thomas go swimming with you? He does. Gets up at five sometimes and comes swimming with me. What does he do? Oh, he does a couple of k. Nice. Yeah, solid. He says, oh, it's a bit boring by yourself because we've got, I've now got two lanes going, so there's like 10 of us swimming uh, and he's just sort of following a program. So anyway, Adam Wilson, uh, he did one hour, 13 minutes swimming, 12 hours, 29 on the bike. So definitely. There wouldn't be many kid bike dominated. One kids f- his age getting up at five in the morning and go swimming. No, he goes to bed pretty early. Yeah, we have so, to. Sorry. Um, okay, he's, oh, Adam Wilson, he's from Outside Sports. He's from down in Arrowtown. Oh, there you go. And this is Arrowtown, New Zealand, common Deutschland. So maybe he splits his time between the two. Uh, he's got a picture of him on the Monte de Col de Puree somewhere, which looks like, I'm not sure if that's Spain or France. Uh, and solid week. Wait, so, so do you, when you look at this, I can never figure out how you get this. You go to last week, do you? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. There we go. So in the last four weeks, he's averaging six rides per week, 292 kilometres average per week. Um, and he's ridden, this year, he's done 8,846 kilometres. So come on, Adam, get another 
1,200 kilometers and you crack the 1,000 for the year. He's got a KOM. As recent achievement as KOM, the loop grind part two. Nice. Yeah, well done. That was just a couple of days ago. So he's on fire right now, John. Excellent. Oh. There you go. Your Wang of the Week. If you want to get involved in that, get on to Strava and join up to our IM Talk group and uh, job's good. Okay, John. I just got one question and answer. Questions and answers. Just from John Oni. And he's got uh, the subject title was Breaking Record Breaking Sub Two Hour Marathon Relay. This is pretty cool. So I love your podcast. I thought you might get a kick out of a Sub Two Marathon Relay last Sunday in West Michigan. Uh, I haven't read the rest of this, but I don't know where this is going. But to do a Sub Two Hour Marathon Relay, you still got to be. Batching fast. Well, well, so really cool. We'll see where this goes. So in honour of Kichobi's first ever sub to our marathon, I organised a marathon relay in Holland. Um, you Michigan, might Michigan, Missouri, maybe? Missouri, something. Don't yeah. know. Uh, Sunday, 27th of October, and recruited 44 other runners <laughs> to run 210, 200 metres to see if we could match or beat Kichobi's time. Uh, it was a ton of fun, and we got there in 149.32. Averaging 411 mile pace. Runners range from ages of 8 to 55 years old and ran between 1 and 26 leagues. I ran 26 leagues of the 210 leagues and was feeling it for a few days. Crazy to imagine maintaining that pace for 26 miles solo. The actual... Uh, we actually reached out to um, Kajobele to let him know about the event and he thanked uh, to thank him for inspiring others and was shocked that he got back to me within 24 hours. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Nice. So for a more thorough recap, he's got a link here to sub2hourrelay.com. Uh, backstory, in May 19, 2019, I was hit by a car while cycling and needed major surgery on my right arm. The crash was a wake-up call to start living the life I wanted to. In September, um, post-surgery, I completed my first ever swim in North mm, Mantico Island. Uh, and three days later, set a cycling speed record across Michigan, uh, 205 miles in 8 hours and 17, averaging 24 miles an hour. My goal was to tackle one crazy adventure one month per month for the rest of the, my life. Hmm. I've been given the marathon relay was fun event for October. That's impressive, isn't it? That's bloody impressive because <clears throat> if you're thinking they're going, oh, that'd be a cool thing to do. Let's get a bunch of mates together to do this. You got to be running mates. fast. You know, two minutes fifty per k. Well, basically they were saying it was seventeen seconds, hundred meters. Yeah, that is not mucking around. So they're doing what thirty six? Yeah. 36, no, 34 seconds for every 200 metres. I'd love to know how quick your runners are there because I'm thinking most of you have got to be sort of yeah, you know, 35 minute 10k or something like that to be able to keep that up. I guess it does depend how many you do, but yeah, you're moving. You're moving. Two minutes, cool, two, yeah, minutes, two minutes 50 per k is moving. Even if you're, even if you're only doing it for 200 metres, that's moving. Pretty cool. Th- yeah. What a cool way of doing it, but getting like, nice. 44 people. Yeah. You know, get a group, a group of people together. It's a fun, you know, it's a bit better than the beer mile. Yeah, John Ornay. Nice work. Yeah, love it. Love it. You're in 149. Bloody hell. That is uh, crazy fast. Yeah, that is smoking. Mm. So if you want to get your mates together, and he's got a link here, and I've got, look, they look pretty pumped. Look at that. Look, yeah, looking pretty fast pumped. group of individuals. Yeah, so fun facts. Yep, fastest mile, they did a 350. That's fast. Yeah, that's that's well, that's you know they're sprinting out at two hundred meter blocks, yeah. but yeah, good stuff. Um, so I'll put a link to that up there on the website, Jombo. Let's talk about the patrons. Uh, so we have Daryl the Electric Feller Reed, <laughs> nice. David the Green Light Kid Row, 
and Tom Thoroughbred Ward. Ironic today because today is our big racing day in Christchurch. You, you go to race this going. week, don't you? No, we're not going this week. We No, we're not. We normally do, but we're not. What's happened? Uh, I've just got a few other things to take care of. That's unlike you. You mm. like your gambling? Mm, I do. I'm going to race this. I'm going tomorrow. Are you? Today? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? It's on Rick tomorrow. Them. It's today. No, oh, no, reckon it's tomorrow. That's their second class day. Yeah, that's right. That's well. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm away on the weekend and we've got a group of friends. I've got a car. I've never done it before. Um, so yeah But anyway Let's talk about If you want to become a patron Go to www.imtalk.me You support the show By donating a little bit of money Each time we release the show Also You can go into draw To win a trip to Kona It's really awesome Seriously Next year Come into Kona with the boys Be the highlight of your life mm. Better than kids Marriage mm. Anything Any crazy diet Crazy crazy diet <laughs> uh, Also sponsors John Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. If you want to get the show email to you, just go to Bevan. Uh, sorry, I am talk, dot me. You're promoting your own podcast yeah, on mate, the show. Just, you get out, go down to the bottom, put your details in. It's all very simple. That's also where you become a patron. If you want some coaching, you have got a couple of slots. I have got a couple of slots. CoachJohnNewsome.com. And now's a good time of the year to crack into either your winter phase or uh, Kiwis or Southern Hemisphere athletes, your Southern phase. Yep, good. and John's a great coach. He will make sure you achieve your goals. Also, my podcast, pivotandjamesisles.com. If you've got content, you can email us at iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, what's your goss? Just before I go to my goss, just on that, please do send through some age groupers of the week. We love hearing about uh, that sort of stuff or any websites you think might be useful for the community because uh, this time of year is pretty quiet. It is. It's definitely the dead time of year. What's my goss, Bevan? Uh, I'm liking being back on the bike. I tell you what, though, when you haven't been biking much for a while, just getting up your bloody hills a bit of a challenge. Some guy came scooting past me, and I was thinking, you don't, you do, you don't you look do that the old not bothered. Yeah, but luckily I have a backpack on, so I'm like, oh well. But he didn't look that speedy, and he was just left me for dead. So nice to be back on the bike. Uh, nice to see a bit of rain. It's been hot and then colder. When it's cold, you want it to rain, don't you? You know, we, well, I, we, want, I want rain. Well, yeah, I need it for my garden, gone, John, yeah, yeah. because my grass is getting dying. Yeah. So I needed the rain. Yeah, so the rain, a bit of rain was good. And outside of that, Bevan, I, uh, I've got the Pack and Save Triathlon Festival coming up in a couple of weeks. So looking forward to seeing uh, how that goes. And also the Oxman Triathlon, which I'm organising. The first time I've organised a half Ironman coming up in December. So looking forward to that. But yeah, nice to be back on the bike. Uh, oh, have you watched Wonder Woman before? The movie? Yeah. I did on a plane. That's got a rate as one of the worst movies I've seen in a long time. Oh, really? <laughs> that was I, I, terrible. I, think I kind of fell asleep. You know what? It did really well. Oh God, it was terrible. Did you end up watching the Last Avengers? Uh, yeah, I think we did. I think we went to the movies to see that. Yeah, that was good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that was a terrible. Why was movie. it terrible? Because uh, sexist. No, it was just. I don't know, it was just a bad movie. It was just. I don't know. Belinda you said she used to watch Wonder Woman all the time when she was a kid. Absolutely loved it. Um, I don't know, it was just dumb. Anyhow, um, Bevan, what's been happening in your world? I went to the league. League. Oh, John, I love the league. Yeah. A, a league crowd's better. So rugby league, we're talking rugby league here for, for non And in New Zealand, countries. it's a bit more for the rougher crowd. It is. And that's where I, that's where, I, that's where my heart comes from because mm-hmm. I come from that world. I go back to the Addington Showgrounds, mm-hmm. not the, what do they call it nowadays? Orange Theory Stadium. It's Eddington Showgrounds when I was a leaguey as a kid, and it's mm-hmm. a bit rough, and the league crowds are a bit rough, but I tell you what, they get into it. Mm-hmm. And we had this, it was actually quite funny, we had this girl, I don't think it was all there, John. Yeah. 
And she just kept screaming out, come on, Roger. Because <laughs> Roger, two of us, is probably one of the best league players in the world, mm-hmm. plays for the Kiwis. And she just, and it was getting ridiculous. And by the end, the whole crowd's just yelling out, come on, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> it was sensational. <laughs> it was absolute sensational. So I had that day in the garden on Sunday. Nice. Off to Queenstown this weekend. For yeah. those racing the race there, good luck. Um, Queenstown Marathon, that is. Got into gambling. Got into gambling. Nothing wrong with that, as long as it's well, somewhat, somewhat controlled. We caught up with my mate Jeff on Skype because he's overseas, and we tell him how on Friday, every Friday we tend to sleep in... Mm-hmm. Fun day Fridays Fun day Friday yeah. And we tend to go out for lunch And we always do a bit of a grab one Or a first table mm-hmm. Do you ever do those? No Why do you not do them? I just don't Got the entertainment book Ah oh, John 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 mm. You need to learn the modern times But anyway So we went to The the Bealey Ale House Which used to be the yep. Spatesale House It's called Bealey yep. You're speaking pretty shitty pub food mm-hmm. But hey it was like 20 bucks for a $50 meal or something So yep. it was pretty good um, food was sensational. There you go. Like high level. Oh, God, yeah, you're yeah. promoting them and everything. Yeah, I was, I, well, I was expecting, and I don't mind a dirty old burger and chips. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I got a lamb something, and I was expecting pretty old dirty pub food. I'm fine because I don't care about food. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people who worry about food too much. Um, but no, they delivered on the food. Mm-hmm. But while we're there, we're watching the horses bidding on the horses. Oh, nice. Now, Joe doesn't really like Three my gambling strategy. No, that's not a strategy, John. That's a strategy. Because I was listening to some financial podcast a week ago, or this a couple of weeks ago, and they're talking about gambling, and they're kind of saying pretty much all gambling, you're you, you, you going to lose. Yeah, the odds are against you. Yeah, except they said there is one way that you can kind of always guarantee to win. In horse racing... Kind of guarantee. <laughs> well, <laughs> if, you, if, you have a, if this is your strategy, they said in horse racing, when there's a real clear favourite, if you always book for them to get a top three... You're pretty much always going to make money if, if that's your strategy you're always. Mm-hmm. So that's my strategy, John. And we bet probably ten ten dollars yeah, over probably big. two yep. hours. Made about eighty cents. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I've already looked at my going to the, going tomorrow, John. Yeah. I'm going to do two dollars a race. Yeah. So probably about twenty bucks. No. So what you got to do? This is Here a really go. good strategy. Go. Tell me. You bet on the favourite when they're paying less than a dollar. So sometimes they're paying, like, they're paying less than a dollar. Like they're paying ninety-five cents. So you put ten dollars down, and you'll get nine dollars fifty back. <laughs> that's a gold strategy. That one. Did they ever pay less than a dollar? Actually, that's probably for a place, not for a for the win. I don't think you get less than a dollar for a win, but for a place sometimes. Wait a second. Sure. So sometimes they pay you less than what you betted. Yeah. For a place. Yeah. Why would you bet on that? <laughs> so I'm going long term here, John. Yeah. So here's my strategy. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna not gonna do this every day of my life, but mm-hmm. you know, occasionally. Just look at a horse, do do like seven to eight bets, mm-hmm. look to make a dollar. Then would have made like thirty dollars profit, mm-hmm. which will take a few weeks. Yeah. It's gonna go up to two dollar bidding. Right. You know, you've got to double down. Yeah. yeah. And then and then eventually gets ten dollar bidding. Yeah. I think, John, three years from now we'll retire. So you you think you're gonna constantly be on that upward up yeah. trajectory. But I'm not gonna get not gonna get excited. I'm never gonna do any other bet. Yeah. Joe doesn't like this. She doesn't think yeah. it's very fun. Yeah. So she said to me yesterday Take me, I'll be I'll be all over it. She 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 said to me yesterday. Can I have twenty dollars to bet outside of your stupid strategy? Because yeah. <laughs> when we're talking on Friday, she goes, "Are we going to do any other bets?" No, babe. We should, if if you want to become a new patron of the show, we could put five dollars a week on a bet <laughs> from that patron. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. So that's my. So I'll give updates. So currently, my TAB. I put fifty dollars in when I started. Wait a second. Where's my phone, John? You, you talk for a second. Yep. So, so he's got the TAB uh, app on his phone. They make it very gonna, easy for you to gamble, John. Yep, I tell you. And he's going to tell us. Uh, but I'm never going to go. 
Hey, I think there's a winner here. Put $10 on it. Never no, going to do it. Never going to do it? Never going to do it. So I started off with $50, John. Yeah. Keep talking because it's taking a, it's okay. a slow app. It's a slow app. It is a slow app. It mm. does take its time. $60, 53 cents is where I'm up. You're doing well. Yeah. So I've made and I'm up over 20, 22%. Yeah. Be happy with that return. Yeah. Keep it going. Bill, Bill Gates, call me. Yeah. Warren Buffett. Nice. There we go. Anyway, it's pretty much it. So, oh, the other problem is, John. I don't own a tie. Oh, yeah, okay. And, and, and dress code tomorrow is a tie. Oh, okay. Shopping. Maybe I'll get like an 80s tie. Mm. You know, just the, the thin leather. Mm. Do you have a thin leather tie? I've never had one of those. Mm. They are vile. All right, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. Kaha.